0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Remain standing, take your Bibles, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We will then go from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 to the book of Romans chapter 12. We'll then go from the book of Romans chapter 12 to the book of Philippians, visiting chapter 2 and chapter 4. As I preach a message in your hearing tonight, entitled "Mental Fortitude." <laughs> Mental Fortitude. What a title! Uh, hashtag Fortitude. Okay. Second uh, Timothy chapter one, go to verse seven. Reading from the New King James. For God is not. Come on, read it together. For God has not give us a spirit of fear but power, love, and sound mind. Go to the book of Romans. Romans. Chapter 12. Appreciate our worship team this morning as well as this evening. Romans chapter 12. And verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Go to the book of the Philippines. Just kidding. Philippians chapter two. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. By what? Being like-minded. We're gonna go to verse five. Having the same love, being of one accord, one, and pardon me, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being, here's a Christmas story right here, verse six. I gotta read it. Who being in form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Wow. Go to verse 14 of that same chapter. Do all things, oh, this scripture. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation in whom you shine like stars, pardon me, whom you shine like lights in the world. And now go to... Philippians chapter 4. And find verse 2. It's the second verse of that chapter. I implore you, Euadia, and implore you, Sintiki, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Pardon me, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are noble whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there is any virtue if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me these do and the god of peace will be with you, Father, thank you for what you've done. This morning, we had amazing three services, and Lord, tonight, as we preach this new word, as we look at this text, having a mental fortitude, I'm asking that you would give me great clarity and communication, that none of the words which I preach and speak to your beloved people who you died and rose again from the grave for... That none of my words would fall to the ground or upon deaf ears. I pray, give every single heart understanding. Illuminate us by the truth of your word, which is a lamp unto a feet and a light upon our path. I thank and praise you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you will yet do through this service, those online. If you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, go ahead and do it now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Quite a day of challenges for computers. And I think we are online, if I could. Very good. We had challenges this morning, which is, is um, sad for me because we have uh, anywhere between 60 to 80 plus people that actually were their church online. And they do these things called watch parties, and perhaps we're live uh, now in some of those locations. Uh, and what I mean by that is people are opening up their homes and they're streaming the, the, the service live and then they're inviting people, neighbors, people that don't know the Lord to come to their home for church and they're hearing the message, they're hearing the word and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit is falling in their homes and people are getting impacted and they've never been a part of anything like that. They're like, my God, what is it? so this morning, you know, it all crashed and uh, we bind the devil now. And then, uh, I don't know, it must be a, one of those days of warfare with technology because um, we had challenges getting notes to you, and I'm so thankful that you have notes. My notes are about four renditions ago. In other words, I went over, the, I go over and I pray, and so the notes I'm looking at are actually notes from about half a day ago. When I was studying, putting this together, which is my bad because I sent them to myself. And so this will be a Holy Ghost service. Hallelujah. Amen. So if we get to one of the blanks that I don't seem to give you the answer for, just get a word of knowledge and then write it down. All right? Praise God. We're Pentecostal. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. (laughs) Ah! Come on, Jesus. All right. I have been on a, a journey with the Holy Spirit regarding thoughts. And, uh, and my mind, your mind, our minds, our minds are fascinating. And uh, you know, you're thinking right in your notes now what we're, we're thinking people and our thoughts affect our feelings, our actions and our life. It's amazing that you can actually think about yourself thinking. Go ahead. Okay, Whales can't do that. Dogs definitely don't do that, and cats probably don't have a brain. but Hallelujah. Just kidding, kind of. I remember reading, uh, it might be C.S. Lewis, but I uh, don't quote me. And the, the quote goes something along these lines. The thoughts that you think about God are the most important thoughts in your head. Well, those young men who came, had thoughts about those scriptures that are not true. And I was saddened as I went away and as I took my spirit-filled nap. I was taught to take a nap when I got saved. They said, you go to church on Sunday, you go home, you eat a good lunch, then you nap. This is what Christians do. No, really, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I'm not kidding at all. I'm like, really? Yeah. No, you lie down, and you, you, know, you take a good half hour, you know, hour, whatever. You take as long a nap as you want. And then you get up, and then you have a cup of coffee. And then, you know, you, you pray and review your notes from the Sunday morning. And you just kind of like look at that and just think about that, pray, worship a little bit. Then we go to Sunday night. And then you have church, and that's what we do. Every Sunday, that's what Christians do. They go to church in the morning, you nap, and then you go back to church Sunday night. Been doing that ever since I got saved. So I took this spirit-filled nap, and... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm grieved by the fact that there are people in legalistic bondage over, over misconstrued ideas of who God is and his word is. If you don't understand God's word and you, your, your thoughts about God and his word is skewed or off, then you yourself will be skewed and off. Thank the Lord. Whatever just happened, it's just like an angel showed up. What was it? Hallelujah. The this phenomena of uh, was expressed differently. Thinking, thinking. The phenomena of thinking is expressed differently between Hebrews, Jewish thought, Jewish thought, Hebraic thought, and through Greeks. Greeks and Jews don't think of thoughts and feelings. The same way. Uh, the center of one's feelings for a Jew would be in their bowels, which is interesting. It's, it's, it's in this area. And I've I've heard I've heard people say that when they're grieved, they feel like somebody kicked them in the stomach. You might have that experience. I, I don't really it doesn't really work for me that way, but maybe a little bit. But that's interesting that that it's in the center of one's being would be in their bow, the bowels of compassion. You've heard of that expression. Okay, that's Hebrew. That's a Jewish understanding. That is not a Greek understanding. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's different. So Hebrews did not have a word for mind. We're, we're right there in the notes now. They didn't have a word for mind. The center of one's being was the heart. The center of one's feelings, is the heart or the bowels of compassion. And it's interesting to note, again, that when you're grieved, you feel like you, you got kicked in the gut. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So Hebrews like that, and, and Jesus said that it's out of, out of one's heart the mouth speaks. It talks about the center of your being really being your heart. And, uh, but for, for Greeks who were masters of language, and we talked about this this morning, so I'm, I'm about to put it in here again. They're masters of language. They had a number of words for mind, and they have a number of words for, <laughs> truth is, they have a number of words for everything. I mean, it's just kind of like love. I love chocolate cake and I love my wife. How many of you know those are two different kinds of love? But you say, I love chocolate cake. I love my wife. How many of you know, we we understand that when we're speaking English, I'm pretty sure he means something different about his wife than he does chocolate cake. And Pastor Karen said, "Amen." amen. No, there's, there's agape love, which is unconditional love. There's four different kinds of, four different Greek words for love. Agape, unconditional love, the love that God has for you and me. The love that we should have for each other. There's storge, that's family love, the love that you have for your children, the love that your children have for you. That's called storge, it's different. It's different than than the love that a, that a husband and wife share, which it should really be agape. But agape, storge, is family love. Phileo, city of... Brotherly love, Philadelphia, phileo is a, brother, is a love that brothers have for each other. Spiritual brothers, sisters, do you understand what I'm saying? Then there's the fourth one, which is eros, and that's not even in Scripture. And eros is sexual lust love. It's not in the Word. <laughs> you can't find, you'll see, when you see love, it's never eros, ever. I always thought that was interesting because that seems to be the main thing that's all over our culture. Oh, I love you. Mm, You mean you lust me? Right. Okay. They have a number of Greek words for for mind. The Apostle Paul here in the text that, that, that we read and Philippians 4 says it in a very precise way because he's talking to both Jews and Gentiles when he says what he says. He's covering both bases, which is an interesting way to communicate. And we don't really understand that as mostly a Gentile church. I know some of you are completed Jews or uh, Jews that have believed upon Jesus as Messiah. And so now you're Messianic Jews, a number of different ways to say that. I tried to be a Jew, but I got my DNA and it came back and said I wasn't. So I just wear a little Jewish ring instead and I praise the Lord for Israel. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. (laughs) My little Jewish ring. That's kind of funny. It's a star of David that I got in Israel. And when I got it, was given to me as a gift. When I got it, I was too fat to wear it, but then I lost weight and outfits. fits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the apostle Paul talking uh, to Hebrew and the Greek world communicates to both using their language. Philippians 4, 7, and watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. And mind, heart is speaking to Hebrews or out of the bowels, your bowels, your heart, your center of your being, mind for the Greeks. Interesting. Modern research shows that there's a difference between or a distinction between the brain and the mind. And if you've been in any of our encounters before, we talk about this because it's profound to have the understanding that you are not your mind. Or let me say it this way, you're not your brain. Uh, any more than a computer programmer is the, the computer. Computers operate based on what the programmer programs it to operate at. And this is illustrated best, uh, as we have used the illustration so many times, Wilder Penfield, back in 1932, I believe, a uh, long time ago, um, performed a local anesthetic on 1,100 and some odd patients, where they would remove the, the, the top of their skull to access their, the brain to try to find out where these epileptics, 1,100 plus epileptics, why they were having epilepsy. And so they tried to figure out, through touching electrodes on the brain, what was going wrong to find out the shor- where's the short circuit here. And what he discovered was fascinating. So when he would touch a part of the brain, now they, they've, they've figured out where thinking is and your, your motor movement on and on and on, right brain, left brain, so on and so forth. So in one of these uh, exploratory experiments trying to bring healing to these people, he touched a lady's brain and her hand went up and she said this, listen to this statement. I didn't do that, you did that. That's what she said. Now that's interesting. So he touches her brain, her hand goes up. She says, I didn't do that, you did that. Another person, as their brain was touched by an electrode, had a memory and experienced all the emotions. And I recall the memory is her little boy's playing out in the front yard and she's washing dishes at the sink and she looks out and sees this little boy playing and she remembers, (gasps) she's reminded of cars that are going by and, and the fear that that brought. He found in all of these experiments, 1,100 plus experiments uh, over over people trying to help them to bring healing to epilepsy, he discovered that there's no place in the the physical brain where people make a decision to believe. And what's fascinating about that is this, that you are a spirit with a body. Your brain, the functions of your brain, and even your soul realm, your, your 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 memories. The functions of your brain are not you. They're not you. And I it took me so long to figure this out. I, I'm t ta- I am I don't know. I'm saying for five, six years, and then I realized, wait a second. This thing's got some issues. No, I knew that before, but I, the issues were integrated into who I was. I thought that my issues were actually my personality. And the problems and the, and the bondages and the thinking, I just integrated and said, well, that's me. But I did not understand that the, the, the bondages and the thinking, the patterns and the turmoil that I was in, was not that wasn't the real me. That was, that was my brain needed to be cleaned up. I needed a sw I needed a wiping of my hard drive. Some of you need to wipe your hard drive because you've got all kinds of stuff that's messing you up. You think all kinds of thoughts that aren't God. And this, this text is amazing. Really amazing. Second Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul is challenging Timothy to stir up the gift, the gifts God has given him and not to be hindered by fear. Fascinating. Not to be hindered by fear. Reminding him of God's power. Listen, God has given you gifts and some of you allow your thinking to hinder you. You allow your thinking and your fear to hold you back. I, mean, we had a, I had an interesting time this morning with, with one of our leaders. They were being lied to. And so in a, in a moment of dialogue, I realized, no, oh, this is the devil. Let's pray. We prayed, boom, complete change. They're like, whoa. Gosh, I was kind of almost going for that. You need to have a mental fortitude. You need to learn to renew your mind and learn and understand who you really are in God and not be subject to the lies or poor programming or the conditions of what you went through in your home or the time when you were dropped on your head or when you were abandoned. And I don't mean to make light of any of those things, but you need to be healed of those things. Because if you don't, it'll run your life all your life. Come on, someone say, Jesus, help me have mental fortitude. Jesus, mental fortitude. Fortitude, I just think, is a cool word. It really means strength. Right. Hindered by fear, reminding him of God's power and love and self discipline that is at work in him by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we get another picture in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. The apostle Paul gives us a picture of the Christian life. A choice to live holy. It's a choice to live holy. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God that you present, that you present, that you that you present your body. You present. God ain't taking your body. He's not the body snatcher. You've got to be the body giver. You have to present yourself to the Lord. I know I hate that too. I know I hate it. Because when I was coming up, I just thought, can't the Lord just, you know, make me do it? I mean, I'm just like, I remember when somebody showed me out, I don't know where it's in Philippians, it's the Apostle Paul. And he says something like, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. I mean, I, when I first read that, I was like, he's talking about me. Does anybody know that scripture? And I'm like, oh my, that's, that's a psychotic life that I'm in right now. I want to live God, but then I want to sin. I want to serve Him, but my precious, my precious. <laughs> and who will deliver me from this body of death? And most people stop there. Thanks be to God through, our, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Body of death. A body of death. Let, let me just tell you, I'm, Minister Micah, I'm going to borrow you for a second. When somebody would murder, when somebody would murder somebody, one of the punishments would be they would take the, the, the person that they killed and the judgment would be they take that person and they tie their hands around the guy's neck that killed him. And so guess what the guy who killed him had to do? He had to drag him everywhere he went. Let me just tell you what happens after a few days. You'd just be like, this stinks. <laughs> okay, you know what happens after a week? He stinks worse. You now stink. You know what happens shortly thereafter? <laughs> Not only is he dead, you dead. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And what he's talking about is our fallen human nature. And he's talking about this, there's this corruption that we have to break off. Right. Who will deliver it? Present your body to the Lord. I know, isn't that crazy? Because for years I was just like, when's he gonna set me free? He's like, I already did. What do you mean? Yeah, you have to choose to be a living sacrifice. That's not so easy. Yeah, it's because you need to renew your mind. Stinking thinking. Oh, that's pretty good. Stinking thinking, body of death. I like that. Paul gives us a picture of this Christian life. It's a choice to live holy. It's an act of worship. How can we do this? Is, but how can we do this is to have a transformed mind. You have to have a transformed mind. In Philippians chapter two, verses one through five, the apostle Paul appeals to the Philippians to be like-minded or think as one. So when you go back to, to the Tower of Babel and you see how God sees them erecting this tower and he says, man, with this unit that they have, there's going to be nothing that's impossible to them. And he comes and he scrambles their language. Hence, Babel. They were building what many believe to be a ziggurat to, uh, to basically build this tower up into the heavens to, we've got children here, so let me shoot high, to um, bring union between... Darkness and mankind. Which is also what happened, by the way, at the flood. And I've preached on that before. And to bring this union between darkness and evil and mankind. And so God comes and scrambles their language. You know, what's interesting to me is this whole picture of unity. Them being of one mind and one language can do this thing. Well, we've got to. We have to, this this is not going to work. So they scrambled it. You know, what's interesting to me is what God does at the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is he unifies them. How does he unify them? Through language. What language? The language. (laughs) Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The language of the Spirit. That was my prayer language. It doesn't need interpretation right now. The language of the Holy Spirit brought a unity. We need to, as a church, as a people, as a family, we need to contend for the faith as one man, being like-minded, like-minded. Wow, to think as one. We're to have the mind of Christ who humbled himself and willingly obeyed his Father. We're to be like that, to humble ourselves and obey God's word. In Philippians two fourteen and 15, complaining and arguing is a product of self-centeredness, the selfie generation. It's just far from Christ. It's far from being the mind of Christ, self-centeredness. Philippians 4, 2 through 9. Come on, turn there, won't you? it really shows us or gives us a catalog of how to have mental fortitude. You see, if I can teach you tonight, and I'm not gonna preach long, I'm just gonna go for a little bit longer, but if I can teach you tonight to build mental strength, powerful strength, mental fortitude, Absolutely. which of course is only come, it's not come by you focusing intently on something apart from God's word. It, a Mental fortitude is only released through God's word. Right, how, how, to, how to build, how to have mental fortitude, how to have a strong mind, scripturally, as a Christian, how to have a strong mind. Because if you don't learn to strengthen your mind and you, you believe the lie, come on, the power of the devil is in the lie. So if you believe a lie, then you're subject to, down to, go, to go down the primrose path. Like I said, I saw Polar Express, and somehow, I'm an auditory learner. Don't want to be bamboozled. Hoodwinked. Let down the primrose path. Then you need to have a strong mind. Oh, those, those two well-meaning deceived legalists that were here this afternoon. <laughs> that was really funny. You guys missed it. We've strengthened our thinking we don't need to be, you don't need to, you can't can't talk me into false theology that I have to be baptized to be saved. So if I didn't go under the water, then I'm not saved again. (laughs) I was gonna start laughing. Oh, but if if you're not settled and you've not strengthened your mind and you don't have a, a spiritual fortitude, a mental fortitude, then what can happen is when the lies come, you won't know that they're lies and you can all of a sudden get hooked and you're like, well, shoot, we better fill the tank right now. Oh, God, turn on the water. Oh, no. Oh, we're all going to hell. What and what kind of spirit? You couldn't hook me, and I thought he was like a pit bull about coming off the chain. (laughs) (laughs) What about this? Scripture, scripture flies. Kung fu everywhere. (laughs) Loved it. He just ran into the two wrong dudes, or the two right ones, should I say. Why? Because for years. And it doesn't have to take years. It'll take as long as you want. I know people have been in church for 20 years, but they're still rebellious. They still don't renew their mind. They still don't worship. They still don't challenge their stinking thinking. They walk around with a dead corpse on them all of their life, and they wonder why there's no power. They wonder why there's no authority. They wonder why their marriage is on the rocks, and their kids go crazy, and and, and their finances are jacked up. They still don't tithe. They still don't give. They still don't pray. Oh, God, I'm preaching good today. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. Pastor Kirsten, if I spit on you, so sorry. How to build mental fortitude. You know, we should just issue like, the first two or three rows, there it goes again. First two or three rows, we should just give like, you know what they have in, 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 in the hospitals, right? Those little surgery shields. Is that right, doctor, this little spit mask? All right just in case any fluids flying around. Okay, sick. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Being strong-minded is often defined as determined to focus on something, but I'm defining it differently. I'm going to define it based on Scripture. Having, having a strong mind or having a mental fortitude is having a mind that surrendered to Jesus. Number one. It's having a mind that's surrendered to Jesus, surrendered to Christ, surrendered to His Word. To have mental fortitude is to have your spirit infused with the power of the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Holy Spirit in a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Let's go ahead and put that up. Turn there in your Bibles on your devices. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. When I got a hold of this, man, this is something else that really moved me and set me on fire. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Leave that up. When I realized, wait a second. So all of this stinking thinking and all of this rotten thoughts and and patterns in my mind were not me. It's the old me. And I realize that, wait a second, I've been brought out of darkness into his, the marvelous light. I have repented of my sin. He's washed me. He's cleansed me. Oh, he, he, he wiped it out. He threw it as far as the east is from the west. And he came to live inside of my heart. He came to live on the inside of me and made me brand new. I am not who I used to be. I am brand new in Jesus. But here's the thing when you have that revelation, you'll then most likely have, and a mature thought would be, huh, but my mind doesn't exactly think that way. I need to change the way I think to what the Lord says about me. And that is the identity in Christ message, which most people never actually meditate on and force themselves to think in a new way. They don't really know who they are. Who who he is and who you are and your understanding of that Changes everything. And so when I realized that I was headed to hell, and because of Christ, what Jesus has done for me, I am new. That No longer am I a sinner. To say all the time, I'm a sinner saved by grace, it's kind of a psychotic statement. It's true, you're saved by grace. God, I'm just getting so irritated by that baptism thing all again. You watch out for people like that. Don't, don't you get in some apologetic, you know, fist fight with somebody if, you don't have your, if you're not sound and you're not, don't do that. The Bible says don't even bring somebody in your home and have that sit down and talk. You can get really confused. I've had people like, no, I'm just going to win by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they come with all these twisted arguments and you don't even have your own theology down. You get all screwed up, twisted in your head. Before you know it, you're out there on a bike with a name tag.
1: Okay.) <laughs>
0: That's stinking funny right there, come on. <laughs> Sincere. Lead deceived. Sincerely deceived. Yes. Look at your notes. Keep in mind what causes your thoughts to go wayward. Listen to this now. Keep in mind what causes your thoughts to go wayward and counter them, oppose them, deal with them. Some of the things that cause your thoughts to go wayward hurts, suffering, pain. We had a, a family talk just the other day, and we were discussing parenting techniques, and uh, I discovered that I was a source of uh, pain as a father. I, I know that's shocking for some of you, but I wasn't perfect. I know. It wasn't a shock to me. But what I enjoyed as, as we had a mature conversation about some of the things that I did in my younger years that were not as good as maybe they could have been, what I enjoyed was as I heard that in me was no knee-jerk response. In other words, I heard it and I thought, that's true. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a bummer. And I, I asked for forgiveness, and, which I think I've done about four or five times before that, but I <laughs> asked for forgiveness, and forgiveness was extended. And we moved forward, and I realized there's nothing in there. In other words, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could have been more Christ-like. But it didn't shove me in some hole and make me feel like, oh, what a miserable! Cr-. The devil couldn't even come and whisper to me. He's got nothing to whisper to. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, take that and go, oh, I need to change some of that. But it wasn't—it wasn't an assault and a condemnation on my salvation. You understand? I'm saved, no matter what those baptism boys think. I'm saved. Amen. I'm born again. <laughs> and so as I heard that, I realized that was not always the case in my life. That I would be confronted by things, but inside I would internalize it and it would become, it was so painful because it felt like a part of my identity. And so then that would take me down the primrose path, and before you know it, I'd be thinking thoughts and, and headed down a, the, a trail that was not of the Lord. And it would, take a, it would take me a little bit, whether it be in prayer or be in worship, and go, wait a second, no, really, it's okay. The Lord loves me. Uh, and I just kind of recalibrate. But that didn't happen. And I thought, even my wife said, man, I did good right there. You know, you know what? It's an indication of it. I give God all the praise. I'm healed, man. And it's not—it's not, not that we don't make mistakes. We make mistakes, but and and we own it and and grieve over it, but it doesn't go to the core of who I am, making me this person who's wrong. You know what I mean? And filled with shame and guilt. You've got to override that. You've got to know what God says about you. You got to know what He says about you, and then you have to live that thing, because if you allow for hurts and suffering and pain, and you and you. He said, well, I've been through something. I know. I know you have. You need to be healed. To quote Dr. Morocco, my pastor, the global leader over our network of 267 churches worldwide, you've got to invite Jesus into the hurtful memories of the past and allow him to heal those things. You've got to have your brain, the computer part of you, your soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? Raise your, raise your hand if you don't understand what I'm saying because I'm going to say it a different way then. Because I want you to understand, you've got to get your thinking healed. Your thinking is not you. You're a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. Come on, I am a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. You're a spirit with a body, and a, and a, and a brain is really a part of your body. And your soul, the soul realm, for definition's sake, to help you, is your, is your mind and your emotions, your memories, your memories. You are not the sum total of your memories. You're not the sum total of your education or the lack thereof. You're not how you comb your hair, the shoes that you wear. You're not how many likers that you have or, or, or haters that, that, that hate you. You are who God says that you are. You are as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I know who I am. I'm not a failed father, but I'm a father that has done some failure. I've, I've not. And what I mean by failure is not like moral failure. Please don't misunderstand me. But not being as Christ like as I could be. I, I You say, what was the problem? I was a little hard. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, I, even like my kids, it's like, Dad, you're like tense. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like my superpower is that anger smolder thing. <laughs> and like your eyes and stuff. It's just like, you know, it's just a, it's a little much. You know, and I would coach my kids as well-meaning, and I'll emphasize it to 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 help some of you that are perhaps like this. You know, you don't want to sin, you understand? Because if you sin, you will open the door to the devil. Like, ah! Is that true? Yeah, it's true. So I began to analyze, begin to look back. This is going to help some of you because you're hard on your kids, you're hard on your wife, you're hard on your spouse because of the hurts and the things that you've been through and you're afraid. I'm not feeling the love. I'm gonna go get some help. Jesus, (laughs) help me out right now. Help me God. So for me, I'll just tell you and we we talked about it in our little family chat. It was beautiful family time. I came out of some heavy stuff. And I understand the power, at least I understand a little bit, of the power of darkness. And hell will freeze and they'll sell ice cream cones before I open that door back up and I ain't letting anybody in my house open it up. See how intense I can be? I can be intense. (laughs) So if you're like a kid that all you know is like you didn't share your Fisher-Price toy, (laughs) okay, it can create kind of a little much. Notice my kids are sitting on the fifth row back on the right-hand side of the church. So what are you saying? I'm saying that I could have been more Christ-like, because, but because of some of my own personal experience, it caused me to put just too much heat on it for a little one. And that created fear in them and a deep desire not to displease dad. Now, deep desire and fear of dad, not deep desire to not disobey and, and displease dad. That's, a, that's good. That's good. And, and, and I think a fear of dad is a healthy thing too, as long as it's healthy fear and not something that you've put your soul on because you were afraid of losing your kids through sin or them doing something that's foolish. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. But we need to be healthy in the way that we instruct them and help them and teach them. You know, God doesn't ever use anger to get you to do something. He uses consequence. I don't know. Like, can you just spank me and then we move on? Okay, no, consequence. You get, I still have consequence with some of the things that I did when I was in my 20s. God has restored and done so many incredible things. I think back in my life, and I want you to think in yours. Is there any suffering or pain or hurts that you've experienced that caused your thoughts to go, your soul to go into a place that it shouldn't go? How oh, I've seen this with people that can't submit to authority. So they've been wounded by their father, or maybe they never had one, and then when they did have a, a spiritual father or a father figure, he abused them, and then, you know, they come here and work out their, their spiritual father issues with me. And I'm happy to do it. I mean that. Let's work it. I'll try to be as Christ-like as I can. I forget was it this morning? I think Carol said it such a it was really a profound compliment. And she said, you know, I didn't have a father, and I didn't know what that was like until I came here. And she looked at me and she said, you showed me what it was like to be a father. I've watched you, and your your it was the greatest compliment that I could ever be paid. It was awesome. And I had to work out my issues with my pastor, honestly, because my dad wasn't there in that way. Very grateful for my father, but my father wasn't the spiritual head of our household. He was a hardworking lawyer marine. Praise God for that, Semper Fi. Praise God for work ethic. Praise God for all the things that are good and right about that. But I didn't have somebody leading me, praying in tongues and teaching me the word. I didn't have that. But I got that through Dr. Morocco and I worked out all of my issues with him. God bless him and I've known hundreds of people that have done the same thing with him and now I'm in that place and I'll just tell you, you've got to get healed of, of pain. You've got to get healed of your wounds because if you don't, they will cause you to be bent like a bent arrow and they'll lead you away, lead you astray. Anxiety is another thing that can cause you, can cause you to go wayward in your thoughts. You start being filled with anxiety. See, what do you do if you're filled with anxiety? Do you ever have anxiety, Pastor? Occasionally when I was really heavy, (laughs) larger, and I would have a seat on an airplane where I would be like all the way to the window and then Certain places in airplanes don't have enough airflow that other planes do. Does, you, does anybody understand? And then I don't know, like the the, the attendants, they are like I don't know, they they just like it really like warm because they get cold or something. And then you're in there with all you know, and just like and you start like freaking out. I, I, I've I've had moments where I, I like the worst one I've told it. I think even recently the worst one is I'm like. <sighs> Because when you're heavy, you know, it's like I'd have to, I developed new techniques of tying my shoes because I couldn't bend over because my gut would collapse my lungs. Right, right. So, so you develop these techniques. So when you're in a, in a small little seat and you're crimped down in the coach, and then, and then there's people next to you touching you, and then there's no air, and then you're exhausted, and you had too much caffeine. I just, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I learned that technique years ago when Pastor Karen was pregnant, but it didn't work. And so finally, I lost my mind and had to do something about it. on, so some of you—I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've struggled with anxiety. Tell—I just stood up and went, "That's it!" And then people were like, "Ah!" Oh! I'm like, "Yep, I gotta get out. I'm getting out now. Let's go!" I'm like. I walked to the back. I'd already told them five times to put the air on. You know what I'm talking about? It caused me to, like, have a little bit of a mental break. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm all right. Anxiety can cause you to think incorrectly and cause you to spiral into places that are not of God. So if you start having anxiety, you've got to do something about that. And and my indication of a of time for a prayer meeting is when I begin to struggle with anxiety. If I start having anxiety, that means I, I need to pray and get peace. I gotta get my peace back. I don't have anxiety a lot. But when I have a lack of sleep, which is number three, if I have a lack of sleep, how many of you know if you're tired? You ain't right. I've found that when I'm really tired, and my wife can handle sleeplessness much better than I can, I get to a place, my family knows, that if dad's really tired, get out of the way. I've heard, I've heard Pastor Karen say, Dad's tired. He's tired. I'm like... Rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> it's usually like Monday. <laughs> And, and like not enough sleep or whatever, and, I, and I'll get flu-like symptoms now, now in my 50s. I, I get these, I mean, it's like I have got to lie down. That's what needs to happen now. And if it's like on carpet, in a side room, in my truck, if I have to pull my truck over, whatever it is, it's time for a nap. Because if I don't get that, then my thinking starts getting weird and skewed. Same thing happens with Pastor Karen. Let's move on to number four. Oh, this is a good one for all of us that have been enjoying the figgy pudding festivities. Lack of proper nutrition. Lack of proper nutrition can really cause you to think incorrectly. Now, I I only know that because of profound experience. And over the past two years, I went through a pretty rigid program that allowed me to lose a bunch of weight. But at certain times, the first year I went through, we went through Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I didn't eat one sugar cookie. It was like the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm just thinking, why did I do that? That's stupid. So the following year, the following year, I ate it all. (laughs) And then after I ate it all, I found myself with a crushing headache I mean a crushing headache. That didn't stop me, though. Come on, I've got mental fortitude. (laughs) I found myself. Well, let's just have one more chocolate. But, you know, I I just found myself, and I don't want to go down too much of that trail. But I found myself, and my responses and my emotions, I was just shorter. I wasn't quite as on top of it. You're, listen, food, food is a drug. Their heart releases hormones. Some of you sedate yourself with all kinds of chocolate and food and everything. The second you're stressed out, you don't go to the Lord, you go to the fridge, the God of the fridge. How do you know that? Because I, I, I understand that. You're like, oh, I had a situation just recently. Pacing back and forth, making a decision, praying. I know, I know. And I follow, I'm like, I'm already eating something. There I am. Piece of pumpkin pie. It's a vegetable. Amen. You get a pumpkin pie in the morning? You get a pumpkin. It's a vegetable. Hallelujah. Give him praise. <laughs> and I found myself, uh, and I, I was with you guys. And I'm like, huh? I think I'm stress eating, and I just kind of put that down like, "Mom, oh, that's not so good. I need to renew my mind a little bit. Hallelujah, and then 15 minutes later, I'm picking up another piece. It'll affect your. It'll affect the way that you think. And if you're if you are now defending your actions, you have a bondage. Let's move on to hormone imbalance. Hormone imbalance hormone, hormone imbalances, hormone imbalances can cause you to think incorrectly. And all the men said, (laughs) all the spirit-filled guys are like, I am, I'm not, I didn't name that, honey. I didn't name that. I don't know what he's talking about. So good. <laughs> Pastor Kirsten's like, no, nah, nah, nah I ain't, ain't going for that one. I <laughs> kid you not, three corners of the men are just looking straight ahead. Hormone imbalances are real. I said they're real. Let's move on. Six, unrealized expectations. Unrealized expectations can mess with your thinking. There's a book out by, I want to go back to the, un, the hormone imbalance because it's so much fun. It's just so much fun. But I have a fear of the Lord, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> Let's have a praise break for a
1: second. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to King Sunday night. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> Unrealized expectations. Uh, Bishop Bill Hammond's come out with a book and um, remind me of that. It's God's Highest Call. It's a brand new book that's come out. You can find it on Amazon and I would encourage you to get the book. God's Highest Call. And what it is about it's about God's highest call in your life. Do you know what God's highest call in your life? It had nothing to do without being a worship leader. It didn't have anything to do without being a marketing director. It didn't have anything to do with being a nationally recognized author or musician or teacher or a professor or a pastor or a business. It doesn't have anything to do with your profession. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It doesn't have anything to do with being a prophet or one of the only gifts of the Spirit. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do, God's highest call for every single person here, For every single believer. In fact, it's for every single person, God's highest call. Every person in all the earth that has ever been born, is being born, or will be born. The highest call is becoming like Christ. So when you settle that, then you begin to realize that he's in control. And when things don't come out in the timing that you want or an unrealized expectation, and you know you did your part. I mean, you prayed and you're doing your part. You're preparing, you're digging ditches, but you can't bring the water to use the Second Chronicles illustration. Only God can. So when it doesn't come through, the way that you had hoped, the way that you'd prayed, the way that you'd prophesied, the way that the prophet spoke over you, it doesn't come through quite like that. You're able to look at the Lord instead of this unrealized expectation twisting you in some bitterness against God, against his word, against the prophet, against whatever. You're able to go, huh, how do you want me to respond to this now? How can I be Christ-like in this thing? What do you want me to do, God? It's like David at Ziklag. He experienced all that loss. His men want to stone him. And he encouraged himself on the Lord. And he didn't say, What, God, do you even love me? You killed my apostolic training center. My wives are gone. My kids are gone. Do you still love me, God? That's not what he did. He sought the Lord and he said, What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond right now? He's three days before being coronated king. How do you want me to respond right now, God? That's a great, great way to response, to respond in the midst of unrealized expectation. Guilt is another thing that can cause your turning, cause your, pardon me, your thinking to go wayward. And uh, I don't do guilt I mean, if you feel convicted, that's when you repent. And then after that should be the end of that because the blood of Jesus is the final decision on all of that. Guilt is when it comes back up and how could you do that? How could you, how could you be so strong and so mean and so aggressive and so intense with your kids about sin to terrify them? I don't do that. It's guilt. I, I'm, it's under the blood. Amen. Amen. And, and I, I decree that. So when, the, when the, the feelings start coming, I deal with them. Now, have I repented of that? Oh no, I I haven't. So actually, that's that's not guilt. That's condemnation. I mean, that's conviction. Conviction is God putting His finger on something and you saying, "Oh, oh, oh, God, I'm so sorry," and you sincerely repent. A godly sorrow that that brings change, repentance. Worldly sorrow is like you got caught, you cried, but you ain't sorry really. That brings death. That's what the Bible says. So so guilt, I don't do guilt, meaning that if I'm convicted, then I repent. Then after that, there's condemnation and guilt that the enemy tries to mess with me. And if that comes up, I just say, <laughs> it's under the blood, man. Shut up. Right. And I silence that. I see it as a demonic attack. I don't do guilt. Amen. Somebody tries to guilt and manipulate me, you can try somebody else. It ain't gonna work over here. Amen. I had somebody text me not long ago. And... Um, they were looking for help. And so I was in the middle of a meeting. So I can't answer every text that comes through. Okay. You understand? I have my phone upside down when I take a break or somebody would take a, a bathroom break and a few hour meeting, whatever. You can drink coffee. I'll take a look and make sure everybody's okay. And I look and, and, you know, I see that there's a little bit of difficulty, but I know it's going to take a little while to help this person. So I'm going to help them, but I can't help them right then because now if it's, there's some ways to get around that. I could delegate some things and help them, especially if it's life or death or somebody needs to go to the hospital. I'll, I'll launch the, the army, you know, and we'll certainly pray. But I answered them and said, I'm in a meeting. I can't, I can't text right now. And so put my phone down. When I later got back, they're like, I mean, I got, I got ripped for how I've not been, Yeah, you, know, you don't really want to disciple anybody. I'm like, dude, I should never give you my stinking phone number to begin with, for God's sake. No, I'm, I'm, that's my flesh. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. I said, I'm so sorry. You know, are you all right? No answer. Time goes by, and uh, I send a text later and ask them how they're doing, and they said, I can't talk right now. I'm busy. And, I th- and now, now, to me, it was sarcasm. Now, you can't tell in a text. How many of you know in text, you, it's not t- you don't know really. Right, right. And so many people read into te- Don't have heavy conversations over text. And all the millennials said... Amen. You're going to confront somebody. Don't do it over a text. So when they said, oh, I can't talk right now. I'm busy. It seemed like they were being facetious. So I responded in a way that would took them literally because I'm going to take them at their word. So I said, ha, 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 I understand that. I love you. Boom. And the next response is, I'm going to a church where they'll disciple me. And so I said, well, I'm, I really hope that you get this. I, I'm, I, I'm not able to be manipulated. I'm not, I'm, not playing, I'm not playing manipulative games. I'm, I'm done. I'm codependent. I'm not, I don't have a codependent bone in my body. I used to be Mr. Codependent. I'm not codependent anymore. So when people try to manipulate and get you over into, you know, don't do that. It's a bondage. And if you live that way, stop. It's not healthy, and it doesn't, it doesn't help you. It won't help you. And if you cave into somebody who's manipulating you, you're just raising a little terrorist. I'm not feeling the love once again, so I'm gonna come be right back. Amen, Pastor Daniel, amen. Don't raise a terrorist, hallelujah. All right, let's, let's, let's do this. Um, look at C. If it's possible, seek reconciliation with people you're at odds with. It's important. This is working right through the text, but if you're if you're at odds with somebody, the Bible says as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. If it's possible, reconcile. Choose to rejoice. Be somebody that rejoices. This is how to have mental fortitude. Be gentle. Oh my. I need some help with that. I can be more gentle. Look at F. Instead of worrying, give thanks to God for what he's done and pray for his will. Release God's peace. Learn to take your thoughts captive. Learn to have mental fortitude. Don't be led astray by thinking that's contrary to God's word. Your feelings and your emotions will follow your thoughts. Control them. Control your thinking. Don't allow your thinking to control you. You are a spirit with a body, not a body with the spirit. I am a. Say it again. A spirit with a body, not a body with the spirit. So when thoughts come, you have to take those and line them up with the truth of God's word and see if it actually works. Is this God? Is this truth? Uh, no. Reject. Flush. Everybody say flush. Flush. Is this the Lord? Is this good? Is this pure? Is this holy? Is this noble? Is this admirable? Is it praiseworthy? Is it? Yes. Okay. Now, good is the enemy of great. So sometimes a good thought is not necessarily a God thought, and you can be led astray down something that's good but not God's best. That's a whole other sermon. Focus on what's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Oh, look at H. Be mentored by men. This comes right out of, uh, right out of Philippians. Be mentored by men and women of God. I am so, gr- so grateful that I have around me men and women of God. First of all, my wife. She's amazing. And, and, and then I've got a, a, a bunch of bad cats that I run with, our staff. I grew up born in 66 and 70s. Bad cats. And then outside of that circle, I have a myriad, (laughs) a plethora. (laughs) That would be exaggerating. So I'd have to sit here and count them off, but I I have, I have my Peter, James, and John super close. Then outside that, I have another group that's not as close as my Peter, James, and John. And then outside of that, and honestly, as you keep going the outer circle, some are the ones that are closer to me, know me better. And the ones that are outside, you're not as close, but we love each other deeply and would do anything for each other. And that group is hundreds of people. So as I stand here today, preaching to you on this Sunday night, by, by the power and the authority of God's Word, God's Spirit, God's call, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, behind me is an army. Behind me is an army of accountability. Behind me is an army of men and women of God who know me, who who listen online, who listen to my messages, who know my wife, know my family, know my kids, know my money, know my finances, know my emotions, know all the shortcomings and all the different things. They know me. If you don't have that, You better cultivate that, Bubba. You gotta build that. That's a hedge of protection that God will build in your life. And it's not the kind of hedge of protection that comes because you answered an altar call and you lifted your hands. There's an accountability and a a transparency that builds in you to help you that when you're thinking stupid, you can have someone lovingly tell you,
1: you might not want to do that. That's That's good. So good.
0: Praise God. You rebuked me a number of times, as a matter of fact. And I love you too. I, lo- I love what Toby said to me. I don't know what it was, but I kept it. It was something I've just kept. You, you misstep or do something. I'm not. I don't mean, you. I mean, when when we do something that's a little off, sometimes, and my staff, those who work know me well. My head is not always representative of my heart. It's not exactly biblical, though, now that I'm saying it. (laughs) Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But sometimes I do things that are maybe unorganized. And and you've said, charge it to my head, not my heart. You know my heart. We've been through some challenging things and frustrating things. And We work things out and worship and work things out as we move forward. I know your heart. Amazing servants. Parents are Amazing. When you develop a mentoring relationship, listen, everyone here needs a pastor. I'm not saying I have to be your pastor. I'm honored to be. We've got a lot of pastors on staff and leaders on staff. You connect with somebody that's healthy, somebody who's not intimidated by you and your mean face (laughs) to correct you and to loving you, tell you. Somebody who's not afraid of telling you if you keep raising your children that way, you're gonna have a prison ministry. <laughs> Somebody who's not afraid of telling you that, you know, you've got you got gingivitis and you need to like some different brushing regimes, regime. You need a little different they're a little different plan. I went through this season a number of years back with Pastor Alex. I don't I don't know what the deal is. But I went through this season where I couldn't remember to I know it's crazy, but but I always had my fly down. Yeah. But I like, was only at church, it was like a devil. I <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Just check. And so like, I'm not kidding, man. How many when I mean, it was like a period of months and then and then like I'd get some liberty and, and deliverance and then I'd go into this other side. And I remember Pastor Alex says, Pastor, you need a new routine. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that you need a new routine I'm like okay okay. I, I, remember, I remember Minister Gill Minister Gill says pastor a great word says, he says this years ago he says a great word pastor uh, um, you uh, you might want to wear a t-shirt you know just because because you know when you're preaching and well they have some they have some great t-shirts that you might want to get that's love man we don't want to defile anybody come on someone I need to close. God is speaking to us tonight. To build for yourself mental fortitude. It's up to you. If you're going to walk like Christ, you're going to have to renew your mind. A lot of points and principles here. This year, your mind is going to be sub to come under the subjection of Christ. I want you to say that this year my mind is co- to come under the subjection of Christ. Say it again. This year my mind will come under the subjection of Christ. Do you know what that means? You are going to yield to Him, yield to His word. You need to talk to. Listen, mature believers talk to themselves. This year, don't be a, a, a person who's just. Self-will run riot. Don't be somebody who doesn't learn to renew their mind and have a, sp- a mental fortitude. Learn to be s- strong in your mind. Come under the subjection of Christ. God is going to give you His perspective on things. I heard the Lord say that. I'm going to give you my perspective on things. I'm going to give you my perspective on things. What a great word. I mean, what a great word. I woke up from my anointed nap, and I started hearing that. I'm going to give you my perspective on things. You you don't see things the way that I do. You need to see things the way that I do. Oh, I'm going to give you my perspective. Come on, someone say that. I am receiving God's perspective on things. Say it again. I am receiving God's perspective on things. You need to fight for that. You need to pray. And you'll never know God's perspective until you know His Word the torment and the difficulty i've been through in my life because i haven't seen things the way that he's seen them i know better now and i will continue to walk in his perspective and his divine bird's eye view some of you are like wrenched in your emotions because god hasn't done this thing for you but who are you who are you who do you think you are are you god Can I say that? That's kind of intense. Is that right, Hannah? That was a little intense. Let me say it nicer. You're not the Lord. God knows everything. And He loves you. Perhaps you can see things a little differently. See it His way. And when you perceive things His way, you'll have peace. like the other way get a grip (laughs) come on lift your hands to heaven all across this place i have god's perspective say it i have say it again come on this year i am going to come under the subjection of christ That means you're coming under his rulership. You're coming under his His authority. You're coming under the authority of his word. You're going to live his word. You're going to obey his word. You're going to study his word. You're going to renew your mind. You're going to to know God's will. You're going to know God's word. You're going to know God. You're not going to be washed to and fray by by, to and fro by every wind and wave. I'm not sure what a fray is. That's the battle. The fray of the battle. To and fro by every wind of doctrine. You're not going to be the the wishy-washy club. You're gonna be steadfast with with a mental fortitude, with your face set like a flint towards the, your personal Jerusalem to fulfill what God has called you to—the highest call, which is being Christ-like. You're not gonna be led down the primrose path. You're going to be on the path of righteousness that will shine brighter and brighter like the noonday sun. He's going to make your feet to walk on a highway of holiness. Come on. He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. For his, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy
1: staff are with me. Oh, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the lender, not the borrower. If God be for me, who you can be against me. Oh,
0: come on, give him praise. Come on, give him a better praise. And the key is the Lord's with us. God is going to use us as a church this year in a way that he has never used us before. We are entering into a series of divine assignments An open heaven. Like a portal being opened. We're going to move into revival. Going to move into what I believe to be the beginnings of reformation. I know that the the 20s, 2020... And this whole next decade will be like the Roaring Twenties because the Lion of the tribe of Judah will roar. And God is looking for a people who have a mental fortitude. He's not looking. He needs somebody to stand in the day, in the day, in the hour of evil. Somebody to stand, having done all that they can do to continue to stand and resist the devil to see him flee. And he comes in your He comes to your mind. He comes to your thoughts. It comes to visit every one of us. We have the the, the the midnight hour of the soul comes to every single person. Consider it not strange you face all kinds of fiery trials. But God will make it a way of escape for you. God will make a way. Strengthen your, your thinking. Be healed of the past memories. Walk in this newness of the, the new creation. Whatsoever things are pure and holy and noble and admirable and praiseworthy, think on these things. Things live from your spirit, control your brain, control the computer. I tried to send my notes today. I'm at home hustling to finish some of my thoughts, and I didn't even get them on my current notes because I sent the wrong one. Blame the devil all you want. I attached a wrong document. And so I sent it, it wouldn't go. And I look and there's no, you know, there's no bars on my on my Wi-Fi. I'm like what? So Hannah, who's a little bit more technically advanced, said, oh, I'll just make a a hotspot for you. So she makes a hotspot. And I realized, no, we're rebooting this thing. I rebooted my computer, brought it back up. I had Wi-Fi. I was able to send my notes. You have to have right connectivity. The connectivity to your heart. Your inner being, your koilea in the Greek. Your emotions. Your mind, they're to work together. But if you don't know God's Word, and you don't don't change the way that you think, you will never fulfill what God's called you to. Ever. Are you trying to curse me? No, I'm telling you, you got to renew your mind. And the way that you think will determine the courses of action, and the emotions that you have. You have to build mental fortitude. You need to teach your kids to do it. Don't be seduced by the guy that says all the flowery words and tries to lead your daughter who's moved by kind words. Don't teach her to fall for that. Gotta teach your sons to guard their eyes. Gotta teach your sons to not be drawn or led to the right or the left by someone who's scantily clad, who's trying to, to seduce men through their eyes. You don't want a wife like that. You don't want a man like that. God's going to help us as a church to collectively be the community of peace, thinking His thoughts, accomplishing His will, and raising up an army of disciples and leaders. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, lift your hands to heaven. Come on, lift your hands and just talk to God. Ask God, where are you at? Where are you at in your thinking? Maybe you've been manipulated. Maybe, maybe you've been through some difficulty, some pain and some disappointment that's caused your, to cause your thinking to, to be all askew. You're thinking to go wayward because of pain, because of anxiety. Come on just talk to Jesus all across this place. Come on. Come on talk to him.
1: Hallelujah. Oh we build our lives upon Holy Spirit your word. We set our minds on you as one man for the faith. We stand hey. on the word that you gave us thy word that I've hidden in my heart. I will not send against it. I stand on the word Woo. your word, you word that i have in
0: me if you're here tonight and you're like i have really been in the battle over my thoughts then you need to come and get some prayer tonight now i've learned this long ago and it, and it happened out of a desperation not some you know theological thing i found in the word although it's there i learned it after i was in such need of god's help that every time i, mean, I would get at this place where i couldn't i couldn't function so much darkness and so much violence. This is a long time ago. A very long time ago. I'd drive my car and see horrible things. Visions. Carnage. That's all I'll say. Over and over. Envisioning accidents and seeing things and seeing accidents and seeing all kinds of carnage. And it would torment me. And then at night, I'd have dreams and I'd wake up in sweats and see that It was totally demonic. I'm talking about as a believer, somebody born again and baptized too. Imagine that in water, and baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, struggling with my thought life like that. And I would go to morning prayer, and I would get a hold of a, I'd get a hold of a leader or somebody that. that, that, that that I knew and trusted, someone that was anointed, and I'd tell them. And they'd lay hands on me and they'd pray for me. And it would, there were times where I don't know if you ever heard a two by four break. Two by four snapping, that's an impressive snap. Does anybody know it? I've heard that in the spirit over my head more times than I can count. That after somebody prayed for me, it was like, crack, and I'd be like, whoa, whoa! And all of a sudden, like I could see. And I'd be like, whoa, wow, that was crazy. Ah, oh. and I'd be like, oh. Everything would just be light. Just like I can see again. I'd be like thinking again. Whoa. Wow. And it's almost like it would get brighter. Now you might not know that. You might not know what that's like. And I pray you don't. But I do. There is demonic power that wants to come upon you to twist your thinking. And in fact, your thinking can oftentimes be an invitation to open up the demonic power. So listen, when you start going through things, you start struggling or, or battling with anxiety. You've got to deal with that. You've got to confront that thing and pray and get peace. Don't stay in a place of anxiety and fear. It's not God. And that'll cultivate, really, an assignment from darkness. If you keep cultivating fear and anxiety, you're going to build a house by which the devil can come and live in. Can I say it that way? And some of you, there's people that are not here tonight because they have agoraphobia. Agoraphobia is a devil from hell. To try to get people into fear and close them in. To shrink away. To live in a closet. It's not of God. If you're battling in your mind, and I, I, I'm, I've gone just a little bit long, but we're going to close with this. You're battling in your mind, and you know that you need freedom here now, tonight. I want you to come out from where you are. Come all the way up to the front. Come. Your Word. Sing it. Come on, you come. I know there's at least three or four it's or five people. That I've eaten in this is the moment. Where freedom can come
1: to you in a way that can never come it's without a corporate anointing heart.
0: holy spirit right now
1: it's your word that i've
0: hidden in my heart go on pastors and you pray with authority, pastors. Pray with authority. It's that I've been listen, listen to me before you pray, pastors, ministers. You pray with authority. I know you know this, but I need to tell you that, that there are some that are dealing with a demonic onslaught, and like a dog, dogs need to be. I tell my dog, get in the crate right now. Get him. I said, get in the crate. Then the dog gets in the crate. Not always the first time. And there are many times where you need to forcefully evict and bring somebody say, "Well, I'm saved. I can't be. I don't have any devils on the inside of me." Listen, whether it's sitting on your head or living inside of you, you don't want any devils. You don't want anything. You don't want any you don't want anything manipulating or harming you or binding you. Can we say it that way? So you want to take authority over that thing. Pastors, take authority. Amen. Pray and bring peace over these right now. Come on. Lift your voice.
1: Holy Spirit, And I will build my life upon your love. Holy Spirit! Right now, in Jesus' name! And I will put my trust in you. Holy God! Lift your voice! Jesus! Jesus.
0: your hands together for God. Come on. If you haven't been prayed for, one of our pastors and ministers are coming to you now. You take this word and you live for God this next year and you strengthen your thinking. Learn to live with mental fortitude that comes from a mind that's renewed by the word. Standing steadfast, contending as one man for the faith. Don't let the enemy sneak in on you ever again. Don't let them use guilt. Don't let them use any kind of form of manipulation to tell you that you're the old you. You are not the old you. The old you died when you received Jesus. I'm going to share this story, and I'll close. I was struggling with this long ago, and I had an older brother who was helping disciple me, and he said to me, Are any of your grandparents dead? Do you have anybody that's died in your family before? I mean, yeah. Do you know where their grave is? Yeah. Okay. Would you, do you miss your grandfather? Yes. Would you, in your right mind, would you travel to the cemetery, find granddad's grave, and and pull him out and And play with him because you missed him. No. Duh. No, that's weird. Right. And he says to me, Listen to me. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And every sin you ever did, all the horrible things that you did, all the, the written code and regulation and all the law that you broke was placed upon Jesus and he was crucified. You stand here today, a new creation. You are not the old guy. He's dead. Where were you? Where were you, Bracken? That's what they used to call me. Where were you, Bracken, when you got saved? Where were you when you received Jesus? I said I was here and there and such and such and so and so. He said, "We well, ought to just go put a grave a stone right there to remind yourself that that's where the old you died. You're a new creation. You're a spirit with a body, not a body with the spirit. You're a spirit with a mind. Learn to control your mind. You learn to have a strong mental fortitude and bring the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? You are not your old life, so stop thinking that way. You are a new creation unless, of course, You've never been born again. You might have been baptized in water, but if you've never prayed the sinner's prayer and received Jesus Christ as your doesn't matter. You could have baptismal waters dripping off your face and you, you'll still split hell wide open. You need to make a decision in your heart.
1: <laughs> That's wonderful.
0: say, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you want to recommit because you drifted in your walk and you want to come home. You want to sell out. You believe the lie. You've been led astray by your thinking. You're not serving God. you got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. Come home. Put both feet in the kingdom. Serve God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. Never received Jesus. You want to do that tonight. Number two, you want to recommit your life to the Lord because you drifted. Or number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. You say, that's me, Pastor. Wonderful. Pray this prayer right out loud all across this place, those online. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. and Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my word. prayer. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Fill. Touch. Bless. I thank you that every curse is broken. I thank you that every chain is severed by the power of the blood in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that we as your people We'll live in subjection to your rules, to your authority, the authority of your word, the leading of your spirit. We will not be led astray in 2020 or the rest of 2019 by wrong thoughts, attitudes, motives. We will take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God of the pulling down of strongholds. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient. We will do that. Now fill your people. Bless your people. And use us as a church to bring the kingdom everywhere we go. We thank you. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for God. I know i go gone a little bit long. Let me close and bless you. Lord. bless you in the last Sunday night of 2019. I bless you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May He lift up His countenance towards you. Be gracious to you. Keep you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.